Hey, good morning, everybody. This is your host, LaShawn Sugar Ray Marston. This is another episode of The Sugar Ray Show. Today, I have a very special guest, um, someone who is near and dear to me, someone who I have a lot of respect for, um, for many reasons. Um, but today, we're talking to activist, social justice activist, um, and comedian, Ted Alexandro. Peace. Good morning. Peace to you, Sugar Ray. Thank you, man. It's good to be good to be with you, good to be speaking with you. Yes, sir. Um, so we're going to get right to it. You know, um, right now in, in our city, uh, New York City and New York State and across America and throughout the world, there are large protests. Um, people are protesting the murder that we all witnessed on, um, on video of George Floyd, of Ahmaud Avery, of Breonna Taylor and the countless others, man. Um, you, off a pretty interesting perspective from a white man. You posted, I think yesterday or the day before on your Facebook page, you said, um, specific message to comedians. You said, comedy doesn't need you right now. Stick to social justice. How, yes. why is that your perspective? How is it that you are able to, or why is it that you have this passion for justice? Well, first off, I'll just say that, um, as you said, it's, uh, it's a long list of names of black Americans who have been murdered by, uh, quote unquote, law enforcement. So, uh, you know, while the temptation is to kind of just isolate it each time, and it's more and more ridiculous to do that, but to just say like, oh, that's tragic what happened to George Floyd. That's, ha- that's tragic what happened to Breonna Taylor. That's tragic what happened to Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, you know, but the names go on and on, uh, as you well know, um, even pre, obviously pre social media age, pre having cameras on our phones, you know, uh, Sean Bell obviously was another high profile case in New York City on his, uh, Amadou Diallo. Amadou Diallo. On and on and on. Uh, obviously Eric Garner. Uh, you know, Akai Gurley, all, all, all these people. So, uh, you know, yeah, I do, I do have, uh, a real commitment to, uh, amplifying these issues and these stories and tying them to the broader context of white supremacy in America, which has been part of this country's DNA from the start. Uh, but as far as to your question specifically about, you know, my role as a comedian, you know, it's funny because the reason that I posted specifically that is because people always say stick to jokes, you know, mm-hmm. when, when a, and I, I get that a lot as a comedian who speaks out on social justice. Um, obviously I do take my first role as a comedian to be funny and to entertain, but when these types of things happen, I take it even more seriously that uh our our first job is to to be a voice that stands with black people and basically says how can i help how can i serve mm-hmm. so uh you know i think uh you know that, that's why i phrased it the way i did i said stick to comedian stick to social justice you know kind of just turning that thing on its head where they usually yep. say stick to stick to comedy stick to jokes yep. <laughs> got it no that was um that was profound that was profound because, I mean, there were, there were, I mean, times like this when there are people, athletes, 
comedians um, who are humans, right? Who are humans first before your career. They don't speak out on these issues. And it's like, at some point, yes, you have to, right, stick to your career and what it is that you do and stay focused mm-hmm. in spite of, but you have to also use your platform when you know you have people watching, people reading, people who may, yeah. you know, um, be influenced by you, inspired yeah. by you. You have to speak out. And so, again, um, but that's that's what you've done since I met you and obviously even before I met you. Um, so just thank you for posting that. Um, well, yeah, and if I could if I could speak to that for a second. Of that's course. Something, yeah, that's something that has, um, has uh, been problematic for me to see in some of my peers. Uh, you know, I've been a comedian, uh, born and raised in Queens, uh, and I've been a comedian for 27 years. Um, and I've seen in my peers, and I think it's kind of part of this whole capitalist system where people are always calculating what is my most profitable decision, profitable yeah. for me financially. What is, what is the best decision I can make for my advancement of my career? So then they kind of calculate and they... Uh, you know, they basically assess, uh, you know, if I speak out, you know, whether it's a black comedian, a white comedian, a brown comedian, it doesn't matter, um, male, female, like they assess how will this impact me financially in terms of my fame, my celebrity, all these types of things where, you know, I think that is really, you know, I'm not singling them out. I think that's part of living in capitalist America where everyone is constantly assessing, uh, you know, the, they're making these bargains with their integrity. Like, you know, how will this impact my bottom line? How will this impact the amount of money that I'm bringing in? How will it uh, impact my comfort with my coworkers? Uh, mm. All this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so for me, it's very important to put that first. You know, and again, that's why I said uh, comedians stick to social justice. Like our voices are important right now. And especially, uh, you know, for me, I'm not there to lecture black people. I'm not there. I'm there to talk to white people uh, and say, hey, uh, this is an important time for us to stand up and stand beside and stand behind, really, uh, black people and and, uh, say, how how may we serve uh, your goals? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How how are you able? How are you personally able to avoid falling into that trap? Um, you are a dad as well, right? You are you are a human. You are a man. You are you have a yes. family. You're a dad and a husband. So how are you able to um, avoid falling into that trap of worrying about or thinking about or do you and still push past it of how you st- you speaking out and standing up will impact your um, potential income? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's. That's always a consideration, you know, it's always something that you have to assess. And for me, uh, I pretty much have, have made my peace that I'm not going to remain quiet. I'm not mm-hmm. going to um, uh, mince words or, you know, try to uh, tiptoe around the issue. I'm going to say it straight because I've had enough conversations with enough people uh, that this is a problem that, at its worst, leads to the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, 
uh, at its worst, uh, but uh, at so many other levels, dehumanizes people, strips them of their dignity, uh, you know, abuses either physically or, or verbally, um, makes people feel less than. Uh, so, to me, it's far more important than anything I can achieve in my career, uh, and I'm quite satisfied with my career, you know, so I, 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 uh, I'm at peace with my life and my career. Um, and also, as you said, being a husband and a father now, you know, because I, I got married later in life, got married at age 48, became a father at 50. Um, but if anything, those things intensify my feeling of wanting to, uh, to live a life that uh, impacts uh, others and um, aligns with others and um you know, and you want to demonstrate to, to, you know, for me, to my son, uh, this is, this is how life is lived. These are our priorities. <clears throat> our priorities are not, uh, personal accumulation of things and, and wealth. And, uh, our priorities are, uh, looking at the world around us and seeing, you know, how may I help? How may I serve? Absolutely. How may I serve? I think that is one of the most important questions. Um, is how may I serve? those around me, how may I serve those who share this space with me, who share this earth with me. Um, mm-hmm. And that is, again, that is something that obviously I've, I've um, witnessed you do and acts and, you know, you embody that truth. Um, so thank you again. Um, how, how like, from your perspective, um, as a white man in America, how is it that this these murders are able to continue to happen and nothing happens? Nothing happens to the officers, um, in many cases, right? Um, right. and nothing changes. How, how is that able to continue and persist for at least my whole lifetime, 36 years, it's been happening? Yes. Why, how is that and why is that from your perspective? Uh, I've been reflecting on that, uh, a lot lately, you know, and, uh, I wish I had an easy answer. But again, I think, you know, it's always good to zoom out and look at American history. And, and mm. as you said, this is, this is your lifetime. This is my lifetime. I'm a little bit older than you. It's my, it's my parents' lifetime. It's my, it's, it's American history, you know? So, um, I think, you know, uh, I think really the, the, the cold hard answer is that this is the system. And that, mm. you know, as people say, the system is working perfectly as it's designed to do um you know it's quite simple after the murder of eric garner after the murder of Ramarley graham you know after the murder of uh tanisha anderson all the all these people it's quite easy to say to the community these officers are going to be fired they're going to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law and we are going to convene a uh whatever you want to call it, a panel, a task force uh, of the community, and you advise us, you advise us on how we can better protect and serve you. You know, like, uh, I mean, uh, it, let me let me start by saying I think policing as it exists now needs to be abolished. I think policing Absolutely. needs to be abolished. I think the police need to be disarmed. I need it. I think it needs to be just abolished and 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 scrapped and, and start over. Uh, Absolutely. But what, but what I'm saying uh, to your question is, it's very simple for for these power structures to to say to the community, "We hear you. 
we hear you. We hear you. Uh, an injustice was done. And here's what we're going to do to work with you and to address it and to change. And that is never done. It wasn't done, uh, you know, uh, if anything, they obstruct justice. They hide, you know, like these videos of Ahmad Arbery that came out, what, three months later? Because they yeah. kept it from one DA to the next to the next. Uh, if anything, this system obstructs justice and um, further adds to the grief of the families. So, uh, yeah, that's why people, you know, and the disconnect of, of uh, so many people and specifically white people, the disconnect of so many white people saying like, well, why are people in the streets? Why are the, why? Are I mean, are you that, are you that uh, unfeeling and are you that uh, brainwashed, really? that you can't see the ways in which the system dehumanizes and belittles and uh, really mocks the grief of these families uh, time and time again. So, so you know, for me, uh, you know, we, can't, we cannot say enough that this system is illegitimate and needs to be broken down. Uh, the system of white supremacy a lot. And, and, you know, as you well know, we've had these kind of conversations a lot of it starts with the mind, so they have Absolutely. to kind of, they have to uh, kind of rid themselves of the brainwashing of white supremacy. Absolutely, absolutely. How do we change that? How do we get there? What is um, because again, we've spoken, I think, um, a couple of times about you know, I think you know, from a, especially now as a parent, I think the last time we had this conversation, neither one of us were parents yet, but now as a parent, particularly a parent of two children. Eight-year-old yeah. boy, two-year, you know, three-year-old daughter. When I think about yeah. if they're having conflict, right, and you have siblings, but when I think about conflict from a parent perspective, sometimes you can come in and your siblings, you know, children are fighting or arguing, and you can say, hey, stop, and they can stop. Sometimes, however, you have to actually separate them. You have to, you go to your room, you go to your room, and deal with the anger, right, the anger, frustration, sadness, whatever is causing your frustration, causing conflict, deal with that separately on your own, and then we can come back to the kitchen table, we come back to the family living room, and then we can talk collectively. Um, right. That's what I think. You know, um, I do know that everyone, you know, my thoughts are not ideal. My thoughts are not everyone's thoughts. And that's why I think that that's one way that we get there, especially if we are going to continue to share America, right? Live in America together, and it'd be a, yeah. a, supposedly a free nation for everyone. Then people, groups of people that are historically uh, conflicted, should be separated and deal with it deal with whatever internal angers deal with whatever trauma heal understand that we cannot change the past but we can from this moment make a better way and part of that better way i think is as you mentioned destroying the system and collectively creating something more humane um but what do you think how do we get there yeah yeah no it's a, it's a great question and um I guess that's one of the gifts of parenting is that you, you know, you, you kind of apply like those lessons that you learn to the larger world and you kind of think in terms of, you know, uh, because obviously as a parent, you want to do it in the most loving, um, beneficial way to shaping this child's, uh, approach and worldview. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's it's such it's such a good question. I think again for you know, I grew up in uh in Belrose, Queens, which is uh, you know, mostly white community. Um I would say mostly uh Italian, German, Irish immigrants. 
some Puerto Rican, uh, some Asian. But then when I went to, uh, I went to public school and then I went to, um, the junior high school in, uh, more, you know, it was like really 50 50 of, of, um, mixed, uh, populations of uh, black, brown, Latino, white, Asian. Um, so for me, that was very formative, um, because in a lot of ways, it almost shames you, uh, into, you know, uh, it kind of, uh, disabuses you of a lot of the uh, brainwashing that you otherwise get when you're just among your own. You know what I mean? Mm. So yep. I think there's a real benefit and a real currency. You know, people always talk about currency and they always think of it strictly as money. Uh, but I think there's a real currency in being among one another and, you know, go, uh, you know, I went to my friend's birthday parties. I went to their family's parties. I went... You know, across the, across the line, you know, to the, uh, I went to, uh, you know, my black friends' parties. I went to my Jewish friends' bar mitzvahs. You know, I went to all these different things that were out of my comfort zone in terms of like, I had never, I had never been in a black person's home until, you know, I was probably what, uh, 11 years old, something like that. Um, so, you know, just like, I remember feeling like, oh wow, you know, like, like, like this is like a, a black family that you know they're just like ours you know Mm -hmm. and it it was it was an epiphany because um you know so much of conditioning is to think of of uh things in a certain way you know and to think of um you know the the black white divide and Mm -hmm. and and it's very effective uh and i don't even like really talking about things in terms of so, so many times uh you hear black, white, you know, yeah. uh, and it really eliminates, you know, so so many uh, people in this world, you know, from from Native American heritage to to uh, Latino uh, to you know to to Asian, uh, but but we are so so brainwashed, of course, to mm-hmm. think black, white in America um, because of our history again. Um, so for me, you know, to to your to your question. I think there's an importance in being uh, among one another, and let's face it, uh, these these neighborhoods again. That's part of white supremacy, part of the design. We're segregated. We're we're in you know you and I uh, basically live in the same areas, but they're segregated. You know, Absolutely. and that's that's by design. Um, so that's another thing that, in my opinion, has to be broken down. You know, mm-hmm. and that. Unfortunately, all of these things are not going to happen overnight, but we have to talk about them and we have to really, you know, for me as a white person, it's important to keep saying the words white supremacy, uh, you know, as the problem. That white supremacy has to be dismantled. White supremacy is what is at the core of policing. White supremacy is what is at the core of segregation, of mass incarceration. You know, uh, so I'm not, so I'm not like sugarcoating what, you know, uh, the way so many people do. Uh, and I have a lot of friends whose parents were cops too, and they talk about my, of course they love their parents and they, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, look, it's very possible for your father, your brother, your cousin, your, your, your aunt, your, whoever it is to be a good person who you love Mm -hmm. and also work for a, a, a white supremacist system. 
You know, it's, it's really it's really unavoidable in America. You know, uh, it's unavoidable that we're all we're all complicit. You know, so when you kind of let yeah, yeah, when you let down that need to defend your father, that need to defend even yourself. You know, as a white person, I have to say, yeah, I, I, I'm racist. I was raised in this racist country. Of course, of course, I have uh, racism in me. You know, we all do. So don't deny. Uh, you know, we're human beings. We're products of our conditioning. So uh, the thing is to say, how can I do better? How can I change? Powerful. No, that is. So powerful. Um, I mean, so much of what you said just now is powerful. And thank you, thank you for for being honest in your response. Because um, honesty is, is is the key. Um, I think someone. Uh, I was doing farm school a couple of years ago, and we had an anti-racism. Um, you know, we had a, a weekend retreat anti-racism. For I forgot the school, but the, the, there's a um, whole institution in New York City where they travel and they teach anti-racism workshops. Um, and it was a Saturday. It was um and the instructor, it was two black women and one an instructor and now it was two black women instructors and the class was predominantly I think it was like thirty five and it was like like twenty eight of the people were white men and white women. Um, mostly middle aged, right? Um and the instructor at the end of Saturday's class after we went into the history of racism and the fact that race itself is a recent social construct, only a couple hundred years old, how it was started and all of that stuff so we went into that and she said now with this definition, every white person is racist. And she literally, yeah. we went home with that. That was the last thing she said before cutting the lights off and kicking us out the door. That <laughs> Sunday, <laughs> that Sunday when we came to class, white some white women were extremely upset. And they, wow. they cried and they said, I'm not racist. And she said, based on the definition, you benefit, right? You benefit based on your race alone. So you might not be a bigot, you might not discriminate or prejudge people of other racial background, but right. you benefit directly off of your race alone, first and foremost, right? Um, and speaking to what you just spoke about, um, I think, or what do you think, how, how easy it is, do you think, to be influenced, right, for a human being? to be influenced by another human being of a different of a different group whether it's ethnic group whether it's cultural religious group whether it's even financial group right whether it's lifestyle group if that person does not know themselves and i ask that because i think that when i speak about separation um i speak about not it maybe not it in america being permanent but if you if i don't know myself and i'm easily influenced right subject in mind to follow someone else's ideals or ways of life um, and if we live together, I think that is what causes the conflict. But I would like to hear your opinion um, as it relates to influence with someone not, like people not knowing their own culture, their own identity, and then living sure. amongst other people who may want to, uh, who may have ulterior motives. Sure. Right? But speak to that, please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, not knowing ourselves is uh, another kind of key component of white supremacy continuing mm. because yep. as much as uh, the flag is waved in our face and as patriotism is peddled <clears throat> as a commodity uh, mm. and the type of patriotism that they're talking about of course is not the Colin Kaepernick taking a knee patriotism it's the patriotism of stand and shut your mouth and be obedient yep. so it, it's, it's more of a patriotism of stay in line and keep quiet uh, 
so there, you know, not knowing our history and not knowing, you know, even even the fact that we separate Black history, right, uh, mm. is indicative. Wow. Uh, yep. It's Amer- it's American history. It's American history. And you know, I just saw a video last night that a friend had shared of uh, of Wilmington, North Carolina, which is a city that I performed in not not that long mm. ago. Uh, and their history of, uh, you know, much like, uh, Black Wall Street, how it was a, a thriving enclave of, uh, black businesses, uh, black elected officials, uh, you know, just kind of a thriving, uh, you know, um, just this, this, uh, area where, uh, black people were thriving and building wealth and, uh, you know, kind of realizing the quote-unquote American dream in the, in the 1800s, I believe it was. And then because of the fact that these, uh, these black officials were, you know, kind of gaining power, black people were gaining wealth, property, uh, et cetera, um, a, a kind of a, a gang of, of white, uh, you know, uh, the usual cross-section of politicians, yeah. police, uh, rogue, uh, you know, um, white supremacists, they, they would, you know, bring them in and they basically burned down the, oh, there was like a black printing press that was kind of the hub of, uh, black, um, discourse and, uh, you yeah. know, the spread of information. Uh, yeah. so they burned that building down and, wow. And, and for years, uh, you can look it up. It was, uh, Vox, V-O-X was the, uh, the, the, the video, uh, you know, the, the news source that, that put this video out. So if you look up Fox, Wilmington, North Carolina, it was a really fat, you know, and, and, and me as someone who, you know, I, I like to, uh, as much as I can read this, this type of American history. I was never that big on American history the way it was, you know, the founding fathers and all this kind of bullshit. Uh, like, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. Um, yeah. Okay. That, um, yes. Yeah. So, uh, that type of history, I, I never really had much of an appetite for, but but this type of history that is real and revealing, and to me, that you know, the reason I bring up that one story is because it's really emblematic of so much of uh, American history and the, the struggle of Black people. Because here's a perfect example of where they, they are thriving, they're self-sufficient, they're building their own wealth, they're building their own, their own um, you know, kind of center. Of, uh, not only, uh, you know, they have a, a newspaper, they have, um, uh, you know, a, an entire city really that is essentially owned and operated primarily by black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but white people come in and, uh, they, they, they kicked out all of the black officials and basically threatened wow. them with lynching. Yeah, they overthrew the government. The- yeah, yeah. Through the so all of the black officials were replaced by by white men. Um, wow. So you know, uh, I think your your question, uh, I, I might have lost it a little bit. Uh, how how is it how is it done? How do we rebuild the system and how do we teach people? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the way we teach people people have to know their history first, and that what I just described is American history. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's really the, the the one story that I just described is really a metaphor for what has gone on uh, ad nauseum for the entirety of American history and continues to this day. So uh, I think the first thing is for people to kind of like the the white women you you described in your class. We have to let our guards down. We have to let our defenses down. 
we have to uh, process the fact that we are complicit, that we are racist, that, uh, you know, there there is no hiding from racism if you're a white person. There's no hiding from benefiting. Uh, even if it's at its most simple, the fact that you get to walk around uh, unharassed by, yeah. by law yep. enforcement. Um, yep. So, yeah, I do think that, you know, and that's why I talk about it. That's that's why I, I try to um, to be a voice to hopefully illuminate that. And, and, and also the last point I'll make on that question is, uh, I think we have to come from a place of love, and sometimes love is angry. Absolutely, you know? sometimes, absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes love is very uh, insistent and and uh, outraged, and uh, you know, mourning and, and uh, grieving and upset. So uh, there's nothing wrong with expressing all those things, but you know, hopefully you operate from a, a place of love, and then you just hope for the miracle. You know, we ha- we have to remain optimistic. Uh, as you well know, and as, as you very well uh, demonstrate to, to me and to so many other people, to, to remain optimistic and to keep doing the next right thing. Yeah, man. No, true story. Um, optimism is key, right, to to literally, like, some people call it faith. And I know that a lot of people, when you, when you use the word faith, they automatically attach religion. But to me, faith is just knowing that whatever I'm doing, has the potential to work as long as I keep doing it, knowing that it will work as long as I keep doing it and keep like speaking my, my, my vision, right? My, 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 the vision I have in my head, the vision I have in my heart, as long as I keep moving towards it, right? The energies of the universe, it will, it will connect with other people and it will manifest like that's because the other way is to, is to think that it won't work and then you give up and then you resort to actions that are counterproductive to the ultimate goal. Yeah. Right. Um, and speaking about, you know, um, speaking about action and ultimate goal, what are your take on, um, what some will call the riots or the looting? I will call civil unrest and rebellion. What is your take on what's happening right now in the streets right here in our very own city in New York where cop cars are being burnt, where people are being shot in the face with what they said a rubber bullet, but they have a metal core, right? That are taking people's eyes out. Um, right. what, what do you, what, what is your take on, on all of that um well you know again i i don't look at things in isolation you know mm. uh as a sports fan it's almost like you, you know uh when you just look at the the foul that the guy tackles somebody you know if, I'm, a, I'm a basketball fan if somebody just throws a guy down it's like well what happened the possession before that you know when the guy no. elbowed him in the ribs or, or what have you so uh, I don't just look at the uh, civil unrest and, and judge that. You know, I judge uh, centuries of American history that preceded what we're seeing this last week, these last, you know, 10 days, whatever it is. Um, so, again, that's, that is the conditioning, I think, of white supremacy, the brainwashing, to look at things and say, well, why, why would someone break a window? Why would someone do this or why would they destroy property how could they break a, a police officer you know how could they break the window and 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 light it on fire you know uh to i my question is why wasn't that happening you know all along because you know if it ha- if these things happen to me you better believe i would be angry enough to to break windows and and light things up uh i'm not saying i would uh, hopefully i wouldn't but it's justified, in my opinion. You know, that kind of anger, that kind of outrage of a system that has betrayed 
the black community forever. Uh, that kind of anger is justified. And the, the miracle to me and the question people should be asking is, how do black people operate with such grace and with such um, faith, as you said, and that they continue? And, and so many times mm-hmm. I see the, the black parents, black mothers. Uh, I, I've met, you know, uh, Trayvon Martin's mother. I've met uh, Ramarley Graham's parents at, my, my, at marches. I met Erica Garner. May she rest in peace. Uh, mm-hmm. Eric, Eric Garner's daughter. Uh, you know, and the grace with which these people continue after one, after another, injustice. Uh, that is the real example to me of people who operate with grace, with, with love. faith, and with love. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so, so these people who want to focus on the immediate thing that just happened, Instead of the backstory, you know, I, I also posted on social media about how uh, if you have a question about how, uh, you know, if you can't comprehend looting, uh, look at a video on YouTube of dominoes falling. I saw that. That, that mm. explains it, you know. So yep. are you going to just talk about that last domino falling or are you going to look at the whole setup and, you know, uh, and also wonder, who, well, who set it up? You know? Exactly. Uh, That's the key. <laughs> Yeah, that, that and, is and, the, and, and and one one last thing is, is also uh, as we've seen in the news and as we've seen throughout history, and again, if if you if you're going to fall for the, uh, the brainwashing, you're going to look at it through a certain uh, white supremacist lens. But if you see things for what they are, you're going to see that the majority of the property destruction, the majority of uh, you know any of the destruction that takes place, the lighting of fires, is done by outside agitators, maybe even yep. police themselves. Yep. So, um, yeah, so these like these neat stories that fit into their kind of predetermined worldview that, you know, it's the black people or it's whatever it is, uh, there, there's a lot of different dynamics at play. Um, so I think, you know, if, if you don't have that long view of American history and the things that have been going on for years, uh, then you're missing the point. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think what's added, right, what has been added in this last decade, guys, added to the frustration, um, I know of myself and I'm sure of many others, is the fact that we are seeing it. You know, um, like I can't, like my anger these last few days, especially as a parent now, of a boy who is seven and about to be eight, and a girl who is three who they can see and comprehend, let alone being adults, is imagine seeing your parent lose their life on social freaking media like yeah that is insane to me like seeing someone who you love deeply dearly lose their life on social media and a person who is responsible for it either is nonchalant about it right or shows signs of being happy or excited about it and then nothing happens after that i think also looking at it from that lens everything you mentioned about the dominoes added to the fact that like you said someone set it up and someone is actually smiling at these dominoes falling that's right and it's and it's not just another citizen it's, it's somebody wearing a badge sworn to protect and serve you know mm. so i mean obviously we all know that that's uh that's not accurate i believe <laughs> um but however uh you know if if we are to uh you know if if anyone were to lose their lives 
you know, so, so what we're seeing in, in these viral videos, one after another, as you say, are the essentially lynching, modern yeah. lynching of, yep. of black men and women. Uh, and it, it is, it is unconscionable to me, uh, you know, that, that people have to watch that and that it becomes almost, it almost becomes like a, a genre of, uh, oh, did you see oh, the lady? Exactly. Have you seen, oh, did you watch this? Did you see that one? Mm-hmm. Isn't it sad? You know, it's, it's sickening. It's, you know, and it's sickening to me that in 2014, six years ago, Eric Garner's last words as the NYPD murdered him where I can't breathe. And now 2020, George Floyd's last words as, as the uh, Minneapolis PD uh, has their knee on his throat uh, are I, I can't breathe. So, so it's like, as you said earlier, are we going to just, conti- are we going to continue to just watch these fucking videos? Like what are, you know, the insanity of it to me is it's, you know, it's outrageous. It is criminal. And, uh, yeah, it, it has to change and we have to keep talking about it, um, you know, and, and keep trying to, uh, like I said, do the next right thing because, uh, these police officers and the racist institution of policing in America has got to be held accountable and it's got to be changed. Absolutely, man. Um, no, it is, I didn't, it's, the current time hasn't even allowed me, aside from like just like you mentioned, the connections of a, a long history in American history of black men and women being terrorized, brutalized, and killed. Um, I haven't even really connected to Eric Garner specifically. I can't breathe it, it being the same statement, same yeah. situation now. Like yeah. that is insane, and 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 you know, um, for people to people have people saw that video, and people see this video, like you said, it became it has become like a genre and me personally I don't share the videos I don't share them nor do I watch them I don't want right. to watch someone who I right. consider a brother or a sister right, right. shared struggle I can't watch them consciously right. and with my sanity I can't watch them lose their life on camera because the anger that will come from seeing it is, is one thing to know it but to see it me personally um, I will do something that is not logical right that will right. be counterproductive to my own personal goals and to what I think my community needs most from me not to be a martyr in that way. Um, no. One no. And, and one, one other quick point, if I could, about, about yes. you know, something that occurred to me the other day is uh, both Eric Garner and George Floyd, uh, their so-called crimes were really, you know, when you, again, you zoom out, you look at capitalism in America and a system that excludes black people from real participation. Why was Eric Garner? He was selling loose cigarettes, right? So this kind of outside of the uh, you know this outside of the mainstream economy because this man is trying to make a living uh he's murdered that that's his so-called crime Mm. because eric garner is excluded from uh you know american mainstream economy that's why he is murdered and then george floyd i think was something about a counterfeit uh i don't know if it was a counterfeit bill or a counterfeit check or something uh, so again, because he is in some way, uh, excluded from this American economy and trying, you know, whatever, whatever the case was, uh, to me, the, both of those things are emblematic of a generation of people who, uh, you know, have received the message time and again that you are not part of this economy. You are not welcome. You are not valued in this economy. 
so they have to figure out a way, right? They have to figure out a way to stay alive. They have to figure out a way to provide for their family. So uh, as anyone would. So to me, that, that's another kind of layer of both of those deaths where, where the people point to these quote-unquote crimes, which I don't uh, see as crimes. Um, you know, it's, it, to me, it's fascinating that capitalism uh, and American kind of capitalism and, and white supremacy to me are kind of inextricably linked. Uh, that, that's what caused the death of both of these men. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree um, 100%. And thanks for sharing that perspective. Um, we're going to wrap it up soon. Um, what do you think? What do you think is the or should be the role and responsibility of the politicians, the elected officials, particularly the ones right here in the city? Um, all of them in general, but particularly the ones in New York City um, and in cities where these injustices happen. What should be their role um, specifically? Well, you know, uh, the the role of a politician, the role of an elected official, is is to serve. Is a public servant. Yep. So uh, obviously what we're seeing is such a distortion of you know what what a politician is uh because again like i said earlier you know if you really want to serve if you really want to serve a community uh and this can be on a on a community to community basis because each community is going to have individual needs and individual concerns um so it's not kind of a uniform blanket uh, way of operating, but if you truly believe in in serving communities, you include them in the decision making process. Not only yep. include, you put them at the forefront of it, and you yep. you are essentially mediate and say like, what do you need? How can I serve? What do you need from me? And you put the people in the community, you know, whether you form some sort of uh, board or panel or task force or even town hall. I mean, again. How simple would it be to have a town hall? And, and, you know, my wife and I were talking about this the other day. Have a town hall uh, in Minneapolis uh, and uh, put it on every television station the way they do with the stupid uh, presidential yep. debates and the uh, State of the Union and all this other bullshit. Uh, put a, uh, a, a town hall on every television station and let these people speak. Let these folks, the people who are in these communities... Let the folks who are dealing with these issues uh, every single day and, and for decades, um, let them speak into a microphone, into a television camera, and just listen, you know? And that's what people don't do, is listen, you know? So, uh, yeah, again, I don't know. Sometimes I, I go off and I forget about Nah, it. nah, it's, it's, all, it's all good. It's all accurate. It's all accurate. It all makes sense. Um... As a, I mean, you've been great, man. I appreciate this conversation. I appreciate you taking the time, um, to, sure. to converse with me, you know, to dialogue with me, man, about this very serious issue that is, um, happening obviously not only across the country, across the world, but right here in our very own neighborhood of Queens, yeah. you know, City Astoria. You know, um, right. thank you for your activism. Thank you for your involvement. Thank you for your support. Um, I do have one other question. As a white man, what is your message? What, do you have to say what is there that you can say to other white men who are either in positions in these institutions that propagate discrimination that allow for 
police terrorism and state sanctioned violence to happen um or they are they may be related to someone who is like what is the message that you have for other white men and white women here in america sure well you know uh, i think what you said earlier uh resonates as far as uh with race being a construct to begin with so it's really you know that that statement of those who believe themselves to be white you know so mm. if you in fact believe that you are white you know it, it's that it's that duality of like yes of course i am i know my skin is, is white and light uh so and and that by virtue of the color of my skin uh affords me uh privilege in, in the united states of america uh so you have to both acknowledge it and essentially disavow it and say you know i don't align with my whiteness i align with humanity i align uh with black people uh with all people you know uh fighting injustice so uh what i would say to to white people is you you know we really have we really have our work to do we have our work cut out for us in terms of uh kind of deprogramming ourselves of these uh you know decades and really centuries of uh programming of of white supremacy and the the myriad ways that it really infects uh you know it's it's fascinating that we're in this time of a pandemic and, and a virus but uh really white supremacy is is a virus that is uh prevalent and and always um always present in the minds of of Americans So I think we have our work cut out for us, you know, and I think a lot of that maybe has to do with what you're reading, what you're consuming, mm. you know, uh uh my wife and I were were reading and talk, talking about James Baldwin. Mm. Uh you know, the fire next time. And uh you know, just the the things that you the perspectives that you consume. Um you know, because that is what's going to humanize people and that's what's going to uh you know like like the white women in your class that had that epiphany and and yeah. cried uh like that's that's a good thing like we should be crying we should Absolutely. we should be crying we should be uh really grieving our part in uh in this white supremacist system uh and examining it uh every every day you know so that's that's really my message to white people and to myself you know first and foremost uh, to really examine my part in this system and and how can i uh help to expose it and to uh dismantle it man i think that's right and exact um and you've you've exemplified that you know again um personally like um so thank you so much for that you've exemplified that just on the front line of these well, battles of these fights we've been in many protests together we shouted together um and you know um again thank you for being the ally thank you for being the comrade thank you for being a freedom fighter thank you for using your platform to speak out you know um to understand that it's not just about what you do it's about who you are um and so i, I appreciate welcome. that i appreciate that truly um and yes. you know much love many blessings to you to your family man if you have anything else you would like to say in closing you can um well uh, yeah please. yeah i would i would like to say uh thank you for your friendship and for your example and for uh you know the the inspiration that you offer to me and to so many people uh of a man of integrity who is always seeking and uh looking 
to make things better, uh, both in in just in, in your your small immediate circles and in the larger circles. So you know, I think from the from the day I met you, I think it was uh, at a protest. Um, yeah, yeah, in Long Island <laughs> City or in Queens. From from the day I met you, I knew that you know we were brothers, we were kindred spirits, and yeah, uh, I've, I've I've learned so much from you. And uh, yeah, I, I love you. I appreciate all that you do. Yes, sir, man. Listen, man. Together we rise. Let's keep pushing forward. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.